After being out of the pulpit for two weeks, it was so good to return and preach from 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and the first six verses. My sermon is titled, No Other Gospel. As sometimes happens, the video and audio recording of the sermon did not go as planned. So the record decks that capture the video, for whatever reason, we don't quite know yet, did not record the video. We have one other way of capturing the media, and in that other avenue of capturing the media, the neither did the video work, and the audio was of really, really poor quality. So for the podcast today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the, uh, the text for us, and I'm going to read my introduction and my conclusion, but the, the body of the sermon will be the audio from the, uh, the preaching that, that happened here at Central Baptist Church. I apologize in advance. The audio recording is awful, and for those of you who that really bothers, you may not be able to, to make it through listening to the full audio. I totally understand. So here's one other option for you. Uh, I post my, uh, my sermon notes, the full pulpit sermon notes on my website at Ben Smith Senior. That's bensmithsr.org. I use an online store to distribute those files. That gives me some measure of control over the downloads. I promise you, I do not do that for personal wealth, and I promise you there's not a significant demand online for uh, sermon note downloads. We actually began to do that as a way to provide those notes to our church so that they could use them uh, in the week following the sermon uh, in their personal devotions and, and thinking through and working through the sermon they heard on, on Sunday. For my church, I provide a discount code that allows them to download uh, those, those notes for free. So for all of you, I've also provided a discount code if you would be interested in downloading the uh, pulpit notes that I use to preach this sermon, whether you want to just read it, not bear through the difficult audio, or if it would help you to read through my notes while you're listening to the audio. Go to my website at bensmithsenior.org. That's bensmithsr.org. Dot org. Uh, go to the link that says store that's at the very top of the web page and find the sermon, No Other Gospel, 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 6. Click the purchase button and when it comes time for the payment information, enter the discount code AUDIO2023. That's AUDIO2023, no spaces. And that'll give you a 100% discount, and you're free to download that. And hopefully that will be an encouragement to you. With all of that out of the way, let's get into the, into the text and into the sermon. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is what the Word of God has to say. I wish you would bear with me a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you. Since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel, from the one you accepted, 
you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way, we have made this plain to you in all things. Everyone is influenced by others. Advertisers attempt to influence you to buy their products. Politicians attempt to influence you to vote for their agenda. Though you have little control over who attempts to influence you, you do have agency over who and what you give attention to and the opportunity to influence you. Paul was jealous for the church. He had preached to them the gospel, and they had believed unto salvation. But others had come and preached a false gospel. Because of the reference to the giftedness of their speaking, it's safe to assume that those who preached these false teachings did so with eloquence and could draw and keep the attention of their hearers. Paul was righteously jealous that these false teachers were capturing the church members' attention and heart. As the serpent's lies led Eve astray, Paul knew that those who dared to preach a false gospel would likewise lead the church away from Jesus. When children are very young, parents have much control over and significant ability to to monitor who is influencing their children. However, as children grow up and gain more independence, they also gain agency over who they allow into their lives. Parents who have shepherded children through their teenager years and into adulthood know well the burden of praying for their children to choose wisely who they will allow into their lives and gain influence over them. The fundamental truth of this passage is that anything less than or other than the true Jesus, the true Holy Spirit, or the true gospel is a lie and will not lead to salvation. There is only one true Savior, only one Holy Spirit and gospel that saves. So from this passage, and primarily from verse 4, I'm going to divide this, this sermon in these three ways. Number one, only one true Savior. Number two, only one true Spirit. And number three, only one true gospel. So beginning with the Savior, we make the declaration, there is only one true Savior, and his name is Jesus. Now to understand the true Savior, it is important for you to know who Jesus is. Now Paul doesn't say much at all about the content of the false teachers and and, and, and that were making such trouble for the church. Rather, he appeals to the church to remain faithful to the gospel they first believed. Now, this is, this is a, I think, a wise technique. There's always a fascination for the, the thing that is a lie or a, a falsehood. And, and there may be some benefit in knowing what those lies are. But the better benefit, the, the better discipline is simply giving attention to what is true. Because when you know what is true, you're more apt, you're more able to recognize what is a lie, what is false. And Paul just doesn't give any attention to debating the particulars of what the false teachers teach. He just keeps going back to, this is the gospel that we have preached. And he begins with this. Salvation begins with knowing who Jesus is. So let's begin there as well. Jesus is 
eternal God. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is eternal God. Jesus is God incarnate. In other words, God who stepped out of the glory of heaven and dwelt in physical flesh with us. John says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Eternal God became incarnate in the flesh so that he could be the perfect lamb of God as a sacrifice for our sin. John says the next day, when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he declared out loud, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Earlier in this book, in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, it says, For our sake, He, that is God, made Him, that is Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is the righteous atonement for sin. Colossians 1 says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Romans 5 says for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5.15 says, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through the, if one man's trespass, that is Adam's trespass, much more had the grace of God and the free gift of grace of that one man, that is Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Jesus was the atonement for our sin and he was raised from the dead unto life. Acts chapter 2 says God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Romans 6 says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, of the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Friends, that is who Jesus is. Eternal God, incarnate in the flesh, who came to be a, a perfect lamb, a sacrifice to atone for our sins, that, that our sins might be forgiven in his death, and that we might live eternally in his resurrection. That is who Jesus is. And when you know who Jesus is, it leaves you to reject anything that diminishes the testimony of Scripture unto who Jesus is. Now the world has, from the beginning, attempted to accept Jesus as anything other than God incarnate. There's a reason for that. If you can accept Jesus as anything other than God incarnate, he is no longer the God of the Bible, he is no longer the Savior of the Bible, and he can be easily ignored and forgotten like other figures in history. In Luke chapter 9, it tells us that Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say that I am? And his disciples gave some common answers of what people were saying about Jesus. They said, Well, some say that you're John the Baptist. At that point, John the Baptist raised from the dead. Others said, well, you're, 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 you're the prophet Elijah, also raised from the dead. And, and others said, well, some just say you're just one of the uh, unnamed prophets of old that have been raised from the dead. In other words, it was easier in the day of Jesus for the world to believe that one who had been long dead and in their grave had risen from the dead than that eternal God had indwelt and incarnated flesh to be sacrificed for our sins. My friends, that's what the Bible declares. 
So it is important for us to understand who Jesus is, and it is important for us to reject anything that diminishes the testimony of Scripture. Some say of Jesus that he's a prophet. But friends, Jesus is not a prophet who speaks for God. Prophets don't declare their own words. They were often flawed men who struggled with sin in the flesh because they were men who struggled in the flesh. Israel was famous for going and even executing, even killing the prophets of God when they declared things that Israel didn't want to hear. Prophets can be ignored and silenced. The eternal Son of God cannot be ignored and He cannot be conquered. Prophets speak for God, but Jesus is the Word of God. He declares the Word of God because He is God. Jesus, dear friends, is not a prophet of God. He is God. Some will say of Jesus, He's a guru or a mystic teacher. But friends, Jesus is no guru, and He's no mystic teacher. Now the title of guru comes from Hinduism and and, uh, and Buddhism, it means it's a spiritual teacher who teaches spiritual wisdom and, and generally has some special insight or knowledge. But in our common language, and you probably have used this word or at least heard this word used, guru just simply means in, in common vernacular now, someone who's an expert in something. Expert and guru is one who has sought knowledge and wisdom and and, and they are skilled and they have great knowledge and they've gained certain things and they know more than most. Friends, Jesus is no guru. He's no special spiritual or mystic teacher. Jesus is the eternal God who created all things, knows all things, and is the source of all wisdom. Jesus has not obtained knowledge. Jesus is the truth. He hasn't sought and then received some special word. He is the word. To say that Jesus is a great teacher diminishes who he is. He's not teaching something he discovers. Jesus proclaims what has been eternally true because he is eternally true. Some will say of Jesus that he's a political or a social revolutionary. But friends, Jesus is neither a social warrior nor a political figure. Now, I want to just give you fair warning before I walk through this. I will offend everyone in the room on this. I'm going to start with what I think will be less offensive for you. Jesus is not a social warrior. So many of you see the champion for their social or political desires. And on the political left, this is why I'm beginning here, because I'm going to soften the blow a little bit. On the political left, Jesus is often used as an advocate for social justice. Dangerous qualifications are often applied to the testimony of Scripture to allow Jesus to be a champion for what you want him to be and to ignore things that you don't want him to be. So oftentimes those will, will, will say we're, we're Jesus only Christians. In other words, they accept only the words of Jesus and they reject the fuller testimony of Scripture. In fact, there's a, even a, a word that's been used in recent years called red letter Christians. If somebody tells you they're red letter Christians, run as fast as you can. What they're saying is, in, in some of our Bibles, you know, the, the words of Jesus are printed in red. And they're saying, oh, we believe all the words in red, but we reject all the words in black. Now, that's, now listen, when you first encounter that, you think, well, that sounds okay. Surely the words of Jesus are important. But friends, listen, that diminishes the testimony of Scripture. 
The word of God is the word of God from the from the in the beginning of Genesis to the amen of Revelation. We believe by the sovereign power of God that he has given us his word and inspired every last word of that. So the red and the black are inspired word of God. And if you're taking some and rejecting others, then you're rejecting the whole because you're saying, I want to follow some and I want to reject others. That's not how it works. So those who want to use Jesus as some social warrior, they have to reject some of the scripture. They have to accept other parts of the mass particular political personality or movement. Jesus does not support your politics. Do you hear me? And Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, will not bow the knee to what you want to happen politically in this world. Everything in this world bows the knee to the king of kings. Jesus is often conflated with support for a particular political personality or movement. And so sometimes even in the church, it's interesting this sermon comes on uh, the 4th of July Sunday. We conflate being patriotic with being a Christian. Friends, you can be the most patriotic person in this nation and still go straight to hell. Do you hear me? Waving a flag does not make your soul right with Jesus. So sometimes patriotism masquerading as worship, even in the church. Friends, that's idol worship. That's not biblical worship. Or we'll conflate supporting a political party with a specific, or a specific politician with faithfully following Jesus. You'll hear people say, well, if you're a Christian, you must support this political party or you must support this particular politician. Friends, that's, that's upside down. Though these two different viewpoints seem completely opposed and different, they both attempt to use the authority of Jesus to legitimize their worldly perspective. I don't think many of you in this room are social warriors. And you're probably quickly able to recognize that the era in trying to elevate Jesus as a champion for social justice. But you're all, but many of us in this room are guilty of trying to make Jesus a supporter of our politics. And friends, both of those are just the same thing on different sides of the coin. Jesus is not the mascot or symbol for a movement of man. He is the eternal King of Kings who is establishing the eternal perfect kingdom of God that will outlast every last human politics. Jesus does not advance the will of men. He executes the eternal perfect will of God. Jesus does not change with the political and cultural times. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's not a social warrior. He's not a political revolutionary. And Jesus is also not an angel or a spirit. Today there's a lot of fascination with angels, mysticism even. Much of what is said about angels today is more informed by Hollywood and opinion than it is biblical truth. Friends, Jesus is the Son of God and is the Son of God and is not an angel. Or ever was an angel. Jesus is not an angel. He is worshipped by the angels. He is not an angel. He is God over all the angels. He is not an angel. He is the eternal creator of all things, including the angels. To call or claim Jesus is a spirit or an angel diminishes who he is. He is eternal God.
who was before was, was, and will be after will be is no more. Friends, you have to know who Jesus is. You have to reject anything that diminishes the testimony of Scripture of who Jesus is and understand that salvation comes through true confession that Jesus is Lord. When Paul wrote in Romans 10.10, with the mouth one confesses and is saved, what confession was he referencing? Well, he was referencing confessing Jesus Lord. Many of you know the verse right before that says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Sin, forgiveness of sins will not come through acknowledging Jesus as one who lived a good life, acknowledging Jesus as a gifted teacher, acknowledging Jesus as one with great spiritual insights, acknowledging Jesus as a special prophet or of God declaring the words of God, declaring Jesus as a supporter of your politics or your social agenda. Salvation only comes through confession alone. So Paul says, if, if you're preaching another Jesus, that's not the gospel. He says, if you're preaching another spirit, because there's only one true spirit, we often refer to it as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies to himself. I looked up what uh, our church's confession of faith says about the Holy Spirit. These may not be familiar words to you, but I thought this would be an appropriate time to, to let you know what we believe about the Holy Spirit. This is what our confession of faith says about the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, fully divine. He's inspired holy men of old to write the Scriptures. Through illumination, He enables men to understand truth. He exalts Christ. He convicts, convicts, convicts men of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He calls men to the Savior and affects regeneration. At the moment of regeneration, he baptizes every believer into the body of Christ. He cultivates Christian character, comforts believers, and bestows the spiritual gifts by which they serve God through his church. He seals the believer into the day of final redemption. He, his presence in the Christian is the guarantee that God will bring the believer into fullness of the stature of Christ. He enlightens and empowers the believer and the church in worship, evangelism, and service. Now, in all of those things that the Spirit does, you'll notice that the Spirit is testifying to the gospel, to the glory of God, and to the will of God. And the eternal triune God has revealed himself to us as Father and Son and Spirit with distinct personalities and attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. Which means, more simply put, the Holy Spirit cannot, will not act contrary to the nature and will of God because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the living God. Thus the Holy Spirit eternally testifies to the glory of God. The Holy Spirit eternally testifies to the Word of God, His truth. The Holy Spirit eternally testifies to the hope of God in salvation through Jesus. And we need to be very honest that the Holy Spirit will never deny the truth of God's Word. God created man as spiritual beings. And even though our culture has rejected biblical truth, it remains spiritual because of our nature. The bookshelves of bookstores, what few bookstores remain, are full of spiritual books talking about spiritual things. 
I, I Googled when I was right putting my notes together. I went to Barnes and Noble and I just Googled in their book section and I used the search term spiritual and I got back 21,107 results. There's a lot of interest, a lot of writing, a lot of books about spiritual life and how to be more deep in your spiritual life. That makes total sense, friends. You were created to be a spiritual being, to interact with God spiritually. However much of what the world presents as spiritual is mystic and fantastical lies. Because the Holy Spirit will not celebrate a lie. The Holy Spirit will not create confusion. The Holy Spirit will work, will not work to deceive, and the Holy Spirit will not lead toward destruction. Those things are contrary to the will and the nature and the character of God. Now here's a strong statement, but listen to me carefully. Any spirit not of the Holy Spirit is demonic. Most of you are probably very aware that evil is an ever-present threat in this world. In fact, Christians are probably more suited to understanding evil and dealing with evil because the biblical worldview gives us an understanding of the presence of evil and the reality of evil, the beginning and the end of evil, and how to confront evil. But we should be equally cautious that demonic spirits are also an ever-present danger. Well, you would be very easily to identify, oh, that's not biblical, that's not righteous, I ought to avoid those things. Now, that's good. That's good. And those, these, are, those, these are certainly the products of demonic spirits. So, spirits. so are many other things that lead men and women away from the gospel truth and towards a false gospel. False gospels come in many forms. But they are all united in this one thing. That at their heart, they are a denial of Jesus and the hope of the gospel. And they all have the same result. Leading you away from the gospel that saves and towards a false teachers who promise to preach the gospel but are not preaching faithfully. Some of them are coming in the forms of things that, that seem to take the place in your life of of church and gospel presentation and the teaching of the word and the striving for, for, uh, for the righteousness of God in this world seem to take that spot in your life but are false promises and, and not true. There is only one true gospel. There is salvation in Jesus Christ alone. Paul reminded the church in his first letter to, uh, to the Corinthians of the gospel that he preached. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, For I delivered to soul in hell that does not deserve to be there anymore. The right question is, how in the world could a righteous God see a way to bring wicked, rebellious people to heaven? Friends, there won't be a single person in heaven that does deserve it. Everyone is born under the wrath of God because of, uh, of our sin. But Jesus died to atone for man's sin. 1 Corinthians 15 says, For I delivered to you as of first importance, but I also received that Christ died for your sins, according to the Scriptures. Romans 5 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us. 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, if you are to be saved, you are to be saved through grace alone. Salvation comes by grace through faith. Ephesians 2. Then preached it recently. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Undeserved, unearned. As an act of God toward depraved men, as an act of grace. To receive the free gift of salvation requires believing faith. You see, any other gospel will not save. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You see, if anything is added to or taken away from the true gospel, it becomes a lie and no longer saves. If you take anything away from man's depravity, you deny the need for the atonement of Jesus. If you take anything away from the divinity and holiness of Jesus, you deny his ability to atone for our sins on the cross. If you add anything to the requirements of salvation, you deny the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus. You deny that salvation comes through grace alone. Friends, if you add anything to what is pure and, and perfect, you only diminish it, you never improve it. That's why Romans 10 says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is only one true Jesus. And there is only one true spirit. And friends, there is only one true gospel. A few years ago, I purchased an expensive electronic device that I believe to be worth the price that I paid. I purchased a well-known brand with a reputation for high-quality products, and I purchased it through Amazon, trusting that the products on their website were genuine as advertised. When I received the device, it seemed to be what I ordered, and it worked as, as expected for a while. However, within the warranty period, it stopped working. Knowing that the company had a good reputation, I was confident that they would replace my defective unit. However, when I, when I contacted the company directly, they requested that I give them the numbers printed on the device to identify what it was and, and which device it was. And once I did, they informed me that I had a counterfeit device and that they would not be replacing it. Warranties don't apply to knockoffs. You see, I had believed a lie. And believing that lie, I put my trust in the product. But when the lie was exposed, I was left with an expensive, defective product. Lies always end with disappointment. That's the nature of a lie. A lie is a promise that cannot be fulfilled. Lies always end with disappointment. The most scathing phrase in these six verses comes at the end of verse 4 
where the Bible says, you put up with it readily enough. In the original Greek, uh, this phrase comes from only two words, one meaning to be patient with and enduring or putting up with, and the other one, other one meaning to positively know. In other words, you certainly know. So uh, this idea that the, the, the rebuke is, is that the church had been giving, been patient with and enduring and listening to lies and false gospels. You, you see, it's one thing to be deceived when you are unaware. That's what happens when you buy a product that you think is one thing, but because it's advertised as such, only to discover that it uh, was not what it was promised to be. It's one thing to be deceived when you are unaware, but it is another when you give attention to an enduring patience with things that are dangerous falsehoods. Dear friends, many of you are putting up with lies readily enough. You assure yourself that the lies you accommodate are not really affecting you. You claim to others that the lies you are giving attention to do not really have any significant control over you. But friend, what you listen to, what you watch, what you are entertained by, what you are interested in, and what you, uh, what you pursue will influence your mind and your heart. And what influences your mind and heart will determine the direction of your life and eternity. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verse 11 that everyone who believes in him, that is Jesus, will not be put to shame. Oh brothers and sisters, dear friends, lies always lead to disappointment. But the true gospel of Jesus, all those who believe on Jesus will not be put to shame. Turn away from the lies that lead to death and turn to the true Savior, Jesus. Be led by the Holy Spirit and place your hope in the only gospel that saves, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to All for the Kingdom a weekly podcast of my preaching ministry. For more sermons, blog posts, and other related content, go to bensmithsenior.org. That's bensmithsr.org. I am the pastor of Central Baptist Church in Waycross, Georgia. I would love for you to join us this coming Sunday at 201 Ava Street here in Waycross. Our morning services begin at 10.30 a.m. For more information about Central Baptist, go to cbcwaycross.org. Again, thank you for listening. And until the Lord returns, let us live each moment all for the King and all for the kingdom.